welcome to the Sports Betting Preview Podcast from Pregame.com. Pregame.com. Broadcasting straight from the Las Vegas Strip. Vegas, baby. With your host, R.J. Bell. I saw him on ESPN. Can I call Marco Daddy? VR seems wild. Welcome to a sports betting podcast from pregame.com for the week of September 23rd, 2009. I'm your host, RJ Bell. I'm joined by Marco D'Angelo, 30 years in the business, Vegas runner, a genuine professional batter here in Vegas. This is segment one of five in which we're talking about 0-2 and 2-0 teams in the NFL. All right, Marco, straight to it. From a betting perspective, what are the keys to these extreme teams that are some are 2-0, some are 0-2? Well, this is a crucial week in, in the public perception mode because there's so much talk about teams that start the season 3-0 or 0-3, what their effect of the playoffs are. Teams just don't make the playoffs that start 0-3 historically in the NFL. So the public will push the panic button on some of these teams, and Vegas knows that. The better teams that have underachieved so far, they will make you pay a premium with that team. All right, so looking at the 0-2 teams, there's three teams that stand out as entering the season with high expectation. Tennessee, 0-2, Carolina, 0-2, Miami, 0-2. Any thoughts? Well, we got the exact same ones underlined. Um, yeah, and that's what I think you need to be able to differentiate. Which ones are we surprised about, and which ones are, do we expect to be zero and two or two and zero? Um, as far as the Carolinas, the Miamis, the Tennessees, I think we are surprised seeing these teams come out of the gate zero and two. And I think coming into week three, you can put them in the must-win category. All right. So who's the who's the best team that's zero and two right now? The best 0-2 team, in my estimation, I think it's still Tennessee because of how impressive they were last year, and they still have them same pieces. There's really no reason for this team to to have that big of a drop-off. And the case can be made is they could easily be 2-0. Absolutely. They had two close losses. Both were by three points, and, you know, they're playing. You know, they got another tough task this week, and it's actually a game that I'll be talking about later in the podcast. Uh, we got a free pick coming from Argonel. You've been, uh, what is it, four in a row Fire with a free pick? Four in a row with the free picks. Colorado last week, 24 nothing, and we're going to go for five this week. Remember, if you're watching on video, you can get all of the videos, including that fifth free pick segment at pregame.tv. Okay, so let's look at the 2-0 and teams. Uh, Denver clearly jumps out as a team that is, is exceeding expectations. Um, New Orleans and the Jets are teams that you wouldn't expect either to be in this spot. Well, I guess New Orleans is a, is a unique situation in that you actually had them as your future bet at, at about 22 to 1. 40. 40, wasn't it? No, 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 no. Now that I remember, because I actually bet it right around. It was 20. That was the 20 so it was to 20, 1. 22 to 1. And actually, about a week or so after, um, they were down to 12 to 1. So. Right, coming right up to the season, there was a real intense 
appreciation of New Orleans. And now this team has done exceedingly well, especially with a high-octane offense, which the public seems to love. Is this, an, is this a team that's a little overrated right now? I don't think so. I think the defense just needs to come around. I mean, right now, let's tell it like it is. They don't need defense. you got to outscore them, and no one's been able to do that. So they're getting it done offensively. I think the big push why the, the future odds dropped so much was because of the new defensive coordinator and, and how he's going to turn it around. And we already saw last year how potent this offense was. And Drew Brees and the 5,000 yards is expected year in and year out now. It's no longer, you know, by don't, accident. Don't start printing playoff tickets just yet. Let's look at Playoff tickets. I'm like reserved pra- Super Bowl tickets it like already. He pra- it sounds like he practiced that long. I already well, reserved <laughs> Super Bowl they've tickets. They've beaten Detroit, who hasn't won a game in, what, their 19 straight losses with the the Lions, and they beat Philadelphia without their starting quarterback. On the road in Philly, not an easy thing to do. Where are you from? Philly. Okay, I just checked it. <laughs> but this is a team that, yeah, they're scoring a ton of points. They've played two teams that, you know, weren't at their best. Obviously, forget the Detroit win, and Philadelphia wins tainted because of the injuries. They got a good test this week. They go into Buffalo, and Buffalo's played well. I mean, they're a one-in-one team that very well could have been a 2 and 0 team. And we'll see what Very they do. Easily. We'll see what they do in Buffalo. That'll give us a better barometer, in my opinion, of just where this New Orleans team is. And this this New Orleans, actually, I was a fan of this team entering the season. I think this is a good example of the old school versus new school wise guys. As in, the old school would say this team is overperformed. The public loves them, especially with all those points. There's no way there's value on this team. The new school wise guys will say. Maybe so. Maybe they are a little bit overvalued. You're not getting the best number, but they're playing so well that they're like a runaway freight train. And I just wonder, this team, and, and people tend to forget handicappers. These are human beings. Even in college, they're kids. But even in the pros, these are 30-year-old guys that get excited when they're winning and get down when they're losing. And it's hard to imagine this New Orleans team isn't going to play well this week. You hit it perfectly on the head, old school versus new school. And that's what the prop going into this week, that's what I'm anxious to see. All the old school wise guys that I've spoken to, you know, them sharps that that are down there with their pencils still in the ear, don't have a computer, they're saying you got to fade this team this week and you got to bet them under. They ain't going to go mm-hmm. over every you know week. The, total, the total's going to yeah. be overinflated because the new school wise guys, you know, the, the, the internet whiz kids, they're unloading over like it's free money. They're saying all I need is a touchdown from the other team, and New Orleans is going to put it over by themselves. And, and there may not be value on going under because it is an inflated number, but if you're cashing a ticket, how can you say there's no value there? Our job as handicappers is almost like a stockbroker. What we have to do in the early going of the season is take these teams and we want to buy, you know, the old saying is buy low, sell high. And a lot of these teams are going to be overpriced based on what they've done in the first two weeks. And some of them are going to be underpriced. And we got to find the value. That's what we do as handicappers. Exactly that's, right. my, that's my style. All right. Now, back to the or, or talking about old school, new school. I think the odds makers has been an evolution. Let's look at this Tennessee. Now, uh, yes or no answer, forced answer, as McLaughlin says on the McLaughlin group, is have the Jets been the most impressive team so far, yes or no? Yes. Have the Jets Bar been? Bar none, absolutely. Right. And Tennessee's 0-2. Yep. But the game's Jets-Tennessee this week at New York, so if they're even teams, it'd be minus 3, three. and it's minus 2, 2.5. 
So we have the most impressive team in the NFL that's undefeated against an 0-2 team, and they're actually saying the 0-2 team is better. It is the stronger of the two. All right, so there's two ways to look at that, and there's going to most likely be the Marco way, which is Vegas is begging you to take the Jets and thus he wants to be on the side of the bookmakers, and that's a, a very successful approach. But man, does, does this not tell you that the odds makers aren't saying 0-2, oh, you know, you would expect this line to be 4 or so? At least, I was surprised that it came out like that. I, I thought it would come out above the field goal, and if anything, the old school wise guys grab the approach and, and take the plus, you know, and drive it down to a field goal when everybody else bets it on Sunday. So having it come out below a field goal to me is surprising because yes, Tennessee could easily be two and zero, but they're not. They're zero and two. While the Jets on the flip side. Games they should have lost. They were supposed to lose last week. They were a dog at home to New England. Opened up as a six-point dog, even though it did go down to three and a half. And they won that game convincingly. New England wasn't in the game most of it, at least from the second half on. So, to me, it looks like the value is with the Jets. But again, you know, you're the master of that. Is Are they begging us to take the Jets? Well, again, when we get to the last segment, seconds, you'll get more of it. I'll break this game down in detail because this is going to be my free pick. But the lines maker has to adjust, and this is going to be the first time the Jets have been a favorite, period. So they are making a major adjustment. If this game was played in week one, what well, would you make well, the line? They're not making any major. That, that, that's crazy talk. Is th- They were on the road. Or, or I mean, clearly against New England, there was the line was so low right. that we were talking about, wow, how low are the Jets' line last week in the podcast? And on the road the, the, in week one, it would have made no sense for them not to be a dog. So, I mean, to say this line is coming in, where would the line come in at? Tennessee lane two? Well, in week one, if this game was played in week one, Tennessee would have been a favorite in this game, I think. On a new, Answer it this way. On a neutral field, what would the line been between Tennessee and New England? Between Tennessee and New England? Right, because I'm going to make the comparison. From All right, last well, so here's what we're going to have to do. We're running up against <laughs> our 10-minute limit. We'll continue this conversation in uh, the fifth segment, which is the free pick segment. Absolutely. And a lot of good stuff yeah. here. Okay, a lot of good stuff. So next up is we're going to be talking about college polls and what they mean. And remember, you can actually watch all of our videos at pregame.tv, or if you want to listen, go to iTunes and search for pregame.com. Now, this is segment two of five, and we are talking about the subject is college polls and the meaning of them, the rankings for the better. All right, Vegas Runner, just off the top, what strikes you about the polls? Now we're headed in week three here, and what does it mean to a bet? As a handicapper, you, it, it plays a role, and it's very significant. Um, because even though a lot of times the coaches or the players say the right things, they're human beings, and they're taking a look at these polls. And although the, the season goals, the long-term goals, doesn't change for each team, they want to win, I think the short-term goal changes from game to game until there's a playoff system. Without a playoff system, every game's significant, and margin of victory becomes significant. So I think week by week, these coaches have to take it into consideration, especially of these right. elite programs. So what you're saying is if a team is, let's say, doing poorly in the polls or, let's say, below their expectations, they're thinking, oh, if we run it up and we have style points, 
then we might do better next week. Right, even though they're 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 reaching their long term goal of winning, they might be three and zero, but they're not advancing in the polls. So the short term goal needs to change, which is we need to be more impressive. We got to win more impressively because no one's paying attention to it. Which, when that seems, Marco, to be most significant, is when you have a big favor that is motivated to win big. Absolutely. In a case in point this week, and, and I will say with the polls, this will become a bigger factor as we move later oh, yeah, in the season yeah. as they start to jockey for the BCS yeah. uh, positioning because that's the key to get yourself into the national championship picture. But this past week, Ohio State, not to pick on your guys, but they won 38 nothing and they dropped in the polls. You can't tell me that that team this week – it doesn't have a chip on their shoulder. Like, what do we got to do? You know, we went out and took care of business. So it does invite coaches to run the scores up, which I don't like. But you have to factor that in in your handicapping. I think you also got to look at, too, what kind of team you're dealing with and can they handle this kind of pressure. Just because they need to win by a, a big margin and they are a top 10 school, don't mean they're capable of going out there and doing it. Because right now, but, but that's extra on. pressure but, on you. Hold on, hold on. When we have a team which is a 25 point or more underdog or you know a favorite in the flip side, the other team, isn't it almost always, not always, but 80 plus percent of the time about the intention or the agenda of the dominant team? Like if you're playing basketball against an eight-year-old kid, you can beat them as bad as you want. Right. With the big favorites, isn't that almost always the case? Yeah. Well, how are they going to approach this game? Do they want to keep scoring? Or if they take a three-touchdown lead, are they going to run out the clock? Exactly. Or put the second team in. Right. So I agree with you. If a team's laying 10, it, 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 they might not be capable of being, quote-unquote, quote impressive but if a team once they get past three right, touchdowns right. not all the time but most of the time they cannot name the score but they can decide through their effort the likelihood of winning by more than 21 I agree, I agree. so so I, I think your point's correct on the tighter lines but on these jumbo lines right. it really is about motivation and it seems to me you guys make a great point that if a team is underappreciated in the polls or it's getting late in the season and it's about jockeying for that final position, you gotta you gotta apply the idea that, that this dominant team is gonna be motivated to run the game up. They are. I mean, and again, uh, last year, if you remember at the end of the season in the Big 12, when you had Oklahoma and Texas and, you know, in Texas Tech, you know, jockeying those final couple weeks for the position of who was going to come out of there, it became a factor. They were literally, Oklahoma made no bones about it. Right. They were going to run the score up. They never took their foot off the gas pedal in the fourth quarter. And they just couldn't set the lines high enough. And that's another example of old school um wise guys versus new school wise guys is old school always loved taking the big points sure. but now you got to consider this motivation of the blowout and some of those old school guys are smart enough to make adjustments you, always, <laughs> you notice he always looks at me when he goes old school <laughs> well, I, I actually look up at your hair David. <laughs> Or lack of it. You you brought up a great point, you know, not to to harp on last season, but that was a great example last year, the Texases and the Oklahomas, where the old school, new school wise guys were battling week and week because old school, when you see a total of 70, they bet it under right away. But the new school wise guys were like, let these old guys bet it under force, let them take it down to 66, and come Saturday they were blasting it back up to almost 70 again because of the teams having to blow you know the other team out. And I think RJ's right when you got a 20 point favorite and you're ta- you're taking the dog, 
you're thinking, are they going to try to blow me out? You're you not have thinking two this team's going to win. I mean, you have two ways to win. One is your team can do very well and surprise the heck out of you. Or they can do bad, but, but, <laughs> but still the second team, they run the ball late, the other, yeah. the opponent, and you still cover. That doesn't happen as much anymore. Now, another thing that strikes me is when I looked at the polls uh, this week was Mississippi being at number four. And I think this is an example of that this early in the year, you have a handful of teams that were highly regarded entering the year. And they haven't played anyone yet, but just by attrition, just by the USC's and the high states that have lost, is they've moved up, you know, four, five, six rankings. And now you've got a team like Mississippi, which is totally untested which has a number four beside them. Now, it strikes me in an open question, there's got to be some value with these handful of teams that are so highly ranked and so untested where the public is just giving them more credit right now and going against might have value. I think 100% there is. On them sexy teams that were hyped all summer, the Mississippi was talked about all summer, how, how you know, whether the chances of, of possibly even winning the SEC. They were the team that beat Florida last year. And you're right, they've done absolutely nothing to get up to number four, except that teams above them lost last week. Yet a team like Miami of Florida has been ultra impressive in their two games thus far. Both of them were on national TV, so everybody got to see them. Yet they just got themselves into the top, you know, ten because they weren't on the radar at the beginning of the season. They Not start- even with the odds makers were they on the radar. So I mean, that's the kind of val- that's value if you're able to uncover a squad like Miami before even the odds maker had any idea. It wasn't uh, Miami was in nobody's poll to start the season, and even up to last week, they they didn't even hardly make any of the polls, or, or even the odds maker gave them no. Now respect. Vegas did like my, and I agree with you 100%. Vegas did like Miami on future bets. It's interesting. I did an article at Pregame Blogs, and you can go there directly at pregameblogs.com, is Miami was the 15th, had the 15th best odds to win the national title, but they weren't even ranked in the top 25. So, and then some of that could have been the marquee name of Miami of Florida still carried away. What's interesting is Mississippi, who's now number four, did not even have individual odds. So there were 63 teams that had individual odds uh, to win it, and Mississippi wasn't one of them. Mississippi was in the field and Miami was, wasn't, but now Mississippi's number four. Oh so Vegas early in the year was saying, we don't think his Mississippi team is real. One of the points, though, too, is for Mississippi to win a national title, they had to go through the odds-on favorite to win the title. Because, I mean, they're in the same conference Throw as Florida. a couple of them in that you SEC. Know? And yeah. they have now Alabama, too. But if they're the fourth-best team, it should be a good game. Well... I don't think they're the fourth best team. <laughs> I think there's value in fading teams like that. I really do. Now, last subject is to keep up with the whole old school wise guy, new school wise guy, is the odds makers have, have gotten smarter. Sometimes we're critical here and a lot of conversation about how good the odds really are. But let's look at this Southern Miss team. They're playing Kansas. Now, Kansas has been impressive, but they started the season not even in the top 25. Southern Miss has the second longest win streak in college football, but they're traveling, and you've been hearing second longest win streak this week in the press. They're getting almost two, two touchdowns, touchdowns at Kansas. So though you can find those two or three-point edges, and that's how you win the 55% to really grind out Vegas, but the fact is it's not like the old days where when something was just obvious that, that uh, in the old days that Kansas line might have been seven or even less. Well, one of the things, and to use a horse racing term here, Southern Miss is stepping way up in class. 
I mean, you're going into a Big 12 school, and there's just such a difference between the Big 12 conference and Southern Misses conference. I think it's also, I think I'm it's... Gonna, I'm going to have to stop. Go ahead. Sorry, we have, <laughs> we have our time constraints. All right, good stuff. Next up is going to be our big game preview for the biggest college football game of the week. For free real-time odds, lines, and scores, visit pregamelines.com. This is segment three of five, the biggest college football game of the week previewed. And we've got Georgia Tech, North Carolina. First up, Vegas Runner, tell us about the opening number and what's happened since. We got 3-0 and North Carolina traveling the 2-1 and Georgia Tech. Line open, Georgia Tech minus three and 46 and a half. Since then, there's been some money coming in on North Carolina, driven it down to two and a half, which is pretty significant coming off a key number that early in the week. So that half point is the smallest possible move, but the key, the, the, the most significant move possible in football is coming off around three. Right, right. So, I mean, moving from nine to nine and a half would, would be relevant, but this kind of move that early, I think, is a little significant. And one of our concepts we talk about week in and week out is that line moves before Thursday are almost always wise guys. Yeah, more, more times than not, you, you could pretty much circle that. Because, as we keep saying, there's not many people on Monday that are average batters playing a game all the way that's the next Saturday. No, the, most of the money comes in from the general public that hour before game time. Day Marco. Um, actually, with what you're saying there, uh, RJ, about you know the wise guys early, I agree with you 100%. There's an interesting blog on our site this week, uh, one of our cappers, Stan Sharp, wrote and he tells about that a lot of times in some of the games oh, Stan didn't write Stan doesn't we can't get him to write well he he, he talks and someone writes it down yeah you know we got our little court stenographer doing it for him but what he talked about is a lot in VR this is your expertise that a lot of times those early moves are really positioning for buybacks later in the week where they're they're getting ahead of the public especially around a key number yeah yeah that 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 happens well, a lot and that's always the question is this a legitimate move or is it something that's a positioning to buy back? Usually the positioning happens around public teams. So in this case, I, 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 my gut feeling is that the wise guys didn't expect North Carolina or Georgia Tech to get a ton of money. But, but who again, we can't tell 100%. Right. Uh, and by the way, you can see that blog at pregameblogs.com. All right, here's my question, Marco. Is This is a betting podcast. What... For the better handicapping this game, what is the one key factor they better consider? It comes down to one thing. It's the North Carolina defense versus the Georgia Tech offense. And what I really like about this particular game, and this is going to be something that you can carry on all year and looking at it. Last week, I went against Georgia Tech, and there's a strong reason for it. Georgia Tech has an offense that the ACC is not used to. They're running the triple uh, option attack. Last year, Georgia Tech had great success because teams weren't prepared for it. It's the first time you see it. You can look at it on film. All right, so let me jump in because i got some stats here, amazingly. Is last year against North Carolina, Georgia Tech, they lost the game. Twenty you know, North Carolina won 28-7. But amazingly, Georgia Tech had 326 rushing yards. Now, on the season, they're averaging 243. So clearly, this Georgia Tech team is running very well. They're running very well, but teams, now that they've already seen this option last year, they're better prepared for it. And you saw that Thursday night, the way Miami shut the team down and dominated that game on Thursday night against Miami. Now, is that 
there's two or two things come to mind there. How good Miami potentially is, or is it, or a combination, or the second factor could be part of the combination, which is second time around this team's almost like the wildcat in the NFL. Absolutely, and you know another team in college football that this applies to is Navy. And Navy more so because Navy's not a conference team, so their schedule's not the same teams every year. And they get to play teams that they don't play all the time, and they have a huge advantage over those teams. But when they play somebody back-to-back -back years, they don't fare as well. All right, so one of the takeaways, and that's what we try to do is give you gambling takeaways, is that whenever a football team has a quirky offense or defense, that if it's a surprise or if it's new to their opponent, that's an advantage for the quirky side. And if it's something that's become familiar, it's the advantage for the opponent and the quirky side has less, less advantage in that case. So you're saying North Carolina looks a little bit better this year than they did last year because of that. Absolutely. And North Carolina, I think, might be one of the undervalued teams. You know, they are a top 25 team, but they're a team that doesn't get inked. They're not flashy. You know, you don't see their highlights all the time on ESPN. Vegas Runner, what's the one factor other than that the batter should consider? Who do you believe, the odds makers or the pollsters? I think this game's a perfect example of that. We bring the concept up a lot because, I mean, it is the bottom line when it comes to sports betting, who's correct. And this game is interesting because of that. You got North Carolina. They're ranked 22nd in the AP, ranked 18th in the USA Today. Georgia Tech's ranked nowhere in there. But when you take a look at the odds makers poll, even though Georgia Tech lost last week, they are ahead of North Carolina. Only by one slot. But it tells you there's evenly matched teams according to the odds makers. So it's a pick 'em game on a neutral field. So this line should come out at three, more or less. So I think the line's correct. Um, I think it's also one of them games, though, where the value, I think, lies in Georgia Tech because the general public's going to see this North Carolina team's coming in ranked top 20, top 25 team. Georgia Tech lost on national TV to Miami. Everybody saw that. They saw the triple option of Paul Johnson's get stopped. And North Carolina, you look at their defensive rankings, they're in top 10 in every category against the run, points allowed against the pass. So, you know, I think the value does lie with the home team here in Georgia Tech because the odds makers telling us these two teams are equal, unlike the pollsters are telling us Georgia Tech is way below North Carolina. This is a game to me that, like last week with Nebraska and Virginia Tech, Nebraska was impressive, but they hadn't played anybody right. yet. And this was their statement game last week. I think North Carolina has been impressive, but they really haven't beaten Beat anybody anyone. yet. This is the week where they make their statement. Now, Marco, you made the point about the early moves may be something where they're positioning to buy back later. Thinking about what Vegas Runner said, maybe that is what's going on here. Georgia Tech... The home team should be about three if the teams are even. But North Carolina, like you said, is higher ranked. And thus, the fact that you can, the wise guys were able to take the three with the higher ranked team, figuring the public might come in on North Carolina later, and maybe they lay one and a half the wise guys later. So, so that's an interesting point. Now, getting into the stats a little bit more, it really is strength against strength. We talked about how good Georgia Tech is running. North Carolina has a great rush D this year, only gave up 55 yards last week, and only 1.8 yards per carry. So it's just really strength against strength, yeah. and 
the question is clearly is one, and I think Marco made the point, is Georgia Tech just got embarrassed on national TV, and that's what the batters remember is what they see. What they if they saw. read something, that's one thing, but they saw it. So I, I think the public is, is not going to like Georgia Tech here, um, so it's interesting. One no, uh, important point on you saying about the stats on North Carolina, and they did shut down East Carolina last week. Note, though, that North Carolina had an early lead in that game. They jumped up two touchdowns right away, and East Carolina had to abandon the running game and go more to a passing game. And that'll, you know, make misleading stats on, on the rushing defense. Yeah, but really, with raw yards, I agree. But yards per carry, it actually would be a detriment to the North Carolina defense because the draws and stuff that end up getting five yards can skew those numbers when you're in a, a prevent-type defense. But that's what's good, having a handicapper that's actually right looking at the box scores. All right, this is good stuff. Okay, next up is going to be segment uh, four of five, and we're going to be talking about the biggest NFL game of the week. This is segment four of five, big game preview for the NFL. We've got Minnesota and San Francisco. Vegas Runner, tell us about the the, uh, the opening number on this game. San Fran's traveling to Minnesota. Both are 2-0. and The line opened anywhere from 4.5 to 6.5. So there was some disagreement where they opened the number. Eventually, the wise guys pushed it up to 7. Um, and that's where we've seen it so since four then. So that 4.5, the, the place opened 4.5 went Had all the way to up adjust. to 7. Yeah, absolutely. So, and even the 6.5 was forced to get up to a, a key number. So the wise guys definitely took a stand when that line first came out. Now again, and this is a theme we talked about in the prior podcast, Minnesota is very likely going to be the public team here. So the wise guys could have really liked Minnesota, or they're saying, hey, at four and a half, they've already got their middle. By the time it gets to seven, they've got a, an arbitrage, they call it, or middle, laying four and a half or taking seven. Sure, and if it crosses the seven, then even all the better if they push it above seven. Okay, our audience are batters. What's the one factor <laughs> that so. the batters cannot ignore in this game, Marco? Well, for me, this game, you've got one surprise team. I mean, everybody expected Minnesota to be 2-0 and at this point. They opened up the season with Cleveland and Detroit. Nobody expected San Francisco to open the season at 2-0. and The question is, is San Francisco for real, or you know, is this a fluke? And this week's going to tell that. Um, so you're saying if San Francisco's good, we want to take the seven. If they're not good, we want to let. Well, it's as a handicap. <laughs> and who they played? So they played Arizona and they played Seattle. So all right, so I, th I agree with the question. What's the answer? <laughs> well, the answer to me is, again, you look at scheduling dynamics. San Francisco this week is in a horrible spot, scheduling wise. They're two and zero. But their 2-0 is more significant than Minnesota's 2-0 because their 2-0 was against their two division rivals, the two that were projected to be battling Ahead for the title. Mm -hmm. It was Arizona and Seattle. For them to be 2-0 already against those two teams is actually like a bigger lead in the division than it actually is. This is a flat spot for San Francisco, in my opinion. Interesting. Old school. Old school. So you're saying the, the main factor is questionable motivation for San Fran? Absolutely. Same question to you, Vegas Runner. Main betting factor? Uh, bottom line to me is which t who's going to change their game plan? Because both these teams like to run. So I think you need to approach it by looking at which 
coach, I believe, is more capable of implementing the right game plan for this um, matchup. Because both these teams have done the exact same thing. Who would have thought Brett Favre, going into week three, only has 200 yards passing on the season? And has handed off the ball 35 times, 25 times, you know, in different games. So Okay, so talking about the running game is my, from the research I did, is Gore from San Fran has a bad ankle. Mm -hmm. So that's an X factor. We're taping on Wednesday. So instead of trying to give the most updated Wednesday information, remember, go to pregame.com. And in the forums, there's always injury talk. Or you can go directly to pregamewire.com and get injury updates. So that's an X factor. I also see, and then you guys can jump in with an answer here, either one of you, is my research says that San Fran is really motivated this week to put eight guys in the box. They're going to force Favre to throw. So to me, the key factor is, is if Favre is going to be forced to throw, is he going to come through? And now the question then becomes, how good has Favre looked understanding the limited amount of long passes he's thrown, has he looked good considering? That's what I was getting. I think that's where the advantage lies to Minnesota because they have the proven quarterback that has shown he has the ability to get it done through the air. Where and you, Sam and Favre version 2009, you would put into that, that category. Yeah, I, I think he hasn't shown me anything to think not yet, you know. But on the opposite side, you have Sean Hill, who's not being asked to win the game through the air. He's being asked to please don't make mistakes, and that's what he hasn't done. He hasn't turned the ball over. He hands the ball off to Gore. You know, he's completing around 60% of his passes. He's doing what he's being asked of, but he hasn't been asked to win a game for them yet. And if they bring eight in the box like RJ's saying, he's going to be forced in that position where he has to win a game for his team. Favre on the flip side, he's shown me in years you know that I've watched him play that he can single-handedly win a game. So if Peterson gets stopped, I think Minnesota could still pull out a win. I think single-handedly lose a game. If you stop Gore, you know I think San Fran's a lot more trouble. Also, there's a difference in surface now going into the dome. So I think there's this a lot of edges for Minnesota. First time here. on artificial uh, first home for San game. Fran. For San Fran this week, and again... So first time this season. This season, sorry. And the situation that you said about Hill, he hasn't, he's not been having to carry the team at all in those first two games. Both teams, as you said, like to run the ball, but Minnesota has the better proven rush defense. And, you know, for San Francisco to do it, like you said, they're going to put eight men in a box. They're going to change their scheme to try to force Favre to do it, and I think that's a mistake. Let's not forget... San Fran, it is only two weeks of statistics, but they're ranked 21st against the pass. So teams have had success throwing the ball the first two weeks. Now, it was Minnesota, and, and Seattle was playing from behind, so they probably were able to rack up a couple, you know, some stats. But their, their pass defense hasn't been as good as the run D for San Fran. Now, a factor that interests me is when you're early in the year, each game takes on a an extra significance. We talked about that. But now this Arizona team has shown themselves to be quite good. Or not quite good, but better than they looked in week one. Is to go on the road and win like they did convincing. so convincingly at Jacksonville. And it was the classic West Coast team with an early start on the East Coast that everyone loves to bet against. It makes that San Fran win in week one even more impressive. And didn't Seattle just 
shut someone out in their first week and San Francisco handled them. Yeah, but still, it's still you shut a team out. You know, a lot, lot, team. lot of people like Seattle coming in the year. So, I mean, clearly the San Fran has had more impressive results than Minnesota. But there's another advantage potentially for Minnesota, which is emotionally they haven't really been at risk in either of these no, games. No. This is almost like a college scenario. Two vanilla games to start. Third game's important. Now all the energy is going there. Two other quick factors that, you know, would What make- about my point? It's a good point, but I, th- but, I like uh, this. Okay, you I, go on. But I like he this got point better. Better. He I got, got something better. He got, got something, something good, better. but he's got What we're forgetting better. here, this is the the homecoming for Brett Favre for the first game. Minnesota, yeah, their first, first game. First game, Minnesota. Now, the only thing that is a concern with Minnesota is if Favre's got one eye looking ahead to next week because there's no question that uh, the next game is a big game on Favre's schedule. Oh, so who do they play next week, Marco? That's uh, interesting. I, I think they have like the Jets, yellow his Jets team. <laughs> no, I think they have yellow helmets. His I old think. Jets you know, team. Go, he's old... got a hundred and ten quarterback rating and doesn't even have three hundred yards passing. Yeah, he's, he's completing how, how six long yards before he loses his mind, dude. He's going crazy. But the other winning, but come on, that's like telling Iverson, his... "Don't shoot. Maybe we're going looks... to get the. We'll win the. We'll win the NBA championship, but just you can't shoot." How long is he going to do that? True, but one well, other factor we got to consider too. Remember, he Barb came into wants camp. To air it out, dude. He came into camp in the <laughs> middle of August, so each week, you know, the playbook's going to become more and more, you know, yeah. easier for him, and they're going to open it up. I mean, they haven't opened up the playbook for him yet. AP, you got what's there to hand it off left, hand it off right. That's all they had to do all year so far. All I right. respect the line move in this game a lot. I do too. Well, yeah, a touchdown. I, four and a half seems mighty short. So, yeah. I mean, in fact, I mean, thinking about that, saying that Minnesota is a point and a half better, uh, Minnesota being at home to only be four and a half. Yeah. Uh, let's make sure Minnesota is at home, right? Yes, yes. All right. <laughs> San Fran, I, I, I double-checked that, wrote it correctly. <laughs> San Fran will be traveling to Minnesota. Boy, that four and a half is a crazy opener. Yeah. Uh, he, whoever, the, uh, the book, I don't remember who put it out there, but he had no problems adjusting it quickly. He must have got slammed All with right. money. Good stuff. Now, next up, our fifth segment, which is the favorite of almost everyone, our free picks, and there's one guy going for a fifth straight winner. Who would that be? Now. He's first. <laughs> For the best deals from trusted sportsbooks, visit pregameaction.com. This is the fifth and final segment and a lot of people's favorite free picks. We give you free picks and we have one free picker going for his fifth winner in, the ro- in a row. That's not Vegas Runner. No. Vegas no. Runner? Going for my first winner in a row. But actually, last <laughs> week was the first week I gave out a pick on the video podcast. Before that, it was Futures. So, uh, and you've got that New Orleans, which looks great at uh, 22 A nice price, seven. a nice price. All right, hit us. All right. Uh, this one, we're going to have to go to the extra board here, the added board. Back when I was a runner on the strip, they used to call this the junk board. Um, because believe it or not, back in the mid-90s, late-90s, even teams like Ball State, Eastern Michigans, they were on the added board. Very few sports books took that action. And they were even all circled games, which tells you they were very beatable. Anytime a book only wants to take a nickel on a game, there's a lot of value for the better. So we're going to go to the added board here, and I really like Arkansas State over Troy. This line opened at a pick with Arkansas State. Now it's up to minus two. And we all know Troy. Everybody knows the team. They played on ESPN. They played Thursday night games. Um, So they're a well-known team. Arkansas State, on the other hand, isn't. This is a good spot for them. They have double revenge. They lost to them 
two years in a row in embarrassing fashion, 37, 35 to 9, 27, nothing. Um, what happened with Troy State is the first week they played this year, they got embarrassed by Florida. They had a player-only meeting, came back the following week and played very inspired ball at home, beating a UAB team, a very, you know, Division One big-name school. Um, on the flip side, Arkansas State played their toughest game last week against Nebraska, their, their previous game against Nebraska, got blown out. But this is a very winnable game for them. Troy's 0-2 on the road. More importantly, their weakness is against the run. Arkansas State's a team who rushed 36 attempts game one, 56 attempts game two. So you know what they're going to do. There's no secret in how they win. They run the ball. Again, let, let me jump in because sure. what we want to make sure is we stay interactive here, even with the free picks. Now, one of the things that Marco has been talking about this week around the office is that in the NFL, when you play the Steelers, the next week you do poorly because Steelers play so physically. Wouldn't you say that playing Nebraska, and you're saying that game was last week they played Nebraska? No, they had, no, no they week had before. a week before. They had a week two off. weeks in between. They've had two weeks to prepare. Okay, so you must have misspoke there. But I, you, I, maybe you said last game and not yeah. last week. Okay, so even though that Nebraska would have been a very physical game for them, with two weeks to prepare, you're not worried about no, that. No, and actually, I look at where I think it's easier now because you played such a high level of competition where I think now it's, it's a breather for you when you see the speed of a Nebraska, the speed of a Florida. Like, all of a sudden, now it's slow motion compared to chasing them wide receivers. And I think that's why Troy had success against UAB last week. They just came off of a dominating team like Florida. So UAB was more of a slow motion for them compared to what they faced in Florida. I also think the problem with Troy is they're young and they turn the ball over a lot. That's where I think the problems are going to be. They fumbled the ball three times the first week, four times the second week. And, and you see the, 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 the quarterback, Levi Brown, gets tons of press because he throws the ball for a lot of yards. But he turns it over, man. Four interceptions to only three touchdowns. So his ratio is not good there. Traveling on the road against a motivated Arkansas State team laying less than a field goal, I think this is a very winnable game. And sometimes you got to go to the added board. And if there's value, it's not a game you're going to be able to catch on TV. But if it cashes, that's all I care about. Um, I don't want anybody to point it out after the podcast goes up. But the Florida game was actually Troy State's second game. They lost. Yeah, they're one and week. two. They lost opening week to Bowling Green, and then they played Florida, and then last week had the UAB. Um, to me, in the game, I don't have anything in this game because for me, Arkansas State's an unknown commodity. They've played two games. The first week they blew out Mississippi Valley State, sixty-one yeah. nothing. So you can't take Practice anything squad. from that. And then they got, you know, hammered by Nebraska. So they're somewhere in between. For me, as a handicapper, this is the type of game where I'll draw a conclusion on Arkansas State, given what they do when they play somebody at their own talent level. Uh, I actually like the fact that we're getting to go with the, the wise guys on the line move, but not... We're not giving up any key numbers. Not getting the worst of it. Uh, well, we're getting the worst but of it, but, three, but not extreme. Right, exactly. Right. So clearly, we've talked about wise guys potentially caring about trying to get a position on public teams. If they're batting a game like this, they're batting it almost exclusively because they like a side. They're not middling this game. Yeah. It's, the a, public's it's not a position. Get in they a game laid like picks. This. They laid one. They laid one and a half. That's a position. I'll okay. bet you the public couldn't even tell you where Troy, what state Troy's in. So, Marco, Marco, we need to um, 
we, we got to finish that argument about the New England and the Jets and all that stuff. But first, and, and we're running a little short now on time, give us our $10 discount that you give every week for pregame pros. All right. We're third week of the NFL season, so we're going to see a lot of NFL blitzes. So the coupon's going to be NFL Blitz in the number 10. Just type in NFL Blitz in the number 10. You'll get $10 off anything you want to buy at pregame pros. Uh, just add that when you go to the shopping cart. And you so get that's all, all one word. All one word in the right number Right in a 10. row. NFL Blitz 10, get 10 bucks off at the shopping cart. Absolutely. Real quick, who's extra hot at pregame.com? Well, we've got uh, Spartans still hitting those triple plays. The guy had another big weekend with his triple star plays. He's hitting like 70-some percent over last 40-some plays. When he says a triple star, take a look at him. Awesome. You got three minutes. Give us your free pick. All right. Three minutes. We're going for our fifth winner in a row with it. I've been having a great. That's right here. Right here. Free. Zero dollars. All right. And uh, the pay picks are new and not too bad either. We're ranked number four in the country in college football this year. Your Marco is. Marco is 77% on the year. That's pretty good. We're going to go with Tennessee this week against the Jets. This is an 0-2 team that is basically their season Sunday. They go 0-3. History says you don't make the playoffs. This was the team with the best record in the NFL last year, and they're playing the team that actually handed them their first loss last year. The Jets went in with Brett Favre at the helm and beat Tennessee in Tennessee. I look for Tennessee. They were in a bad spot last week, as I talked about earlier in the podcast. They were coming off a Pittsburgh game. Teams do not fare well the following week after playing Pittsburgh. Now, wouldn't you mitigate that with the fact they had 10 days between games? Not really because it's still, you know, it's still only two extra days. Yes, that would be better. Two extra games, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Well, they were on the road, so they lost the day traveling back and that. They played in Pittsburgh. I like that eye roll, (laughs) but that's the situation. I, it's definitely better than playing, you know, on a normal schedule. Or a short week. But, you know, on, yeah, absolutely. But it's still, <laughs> if you looked at them last week, they didn't want to tackle. I mean, Houston had how many big plays last week, and Houston's not a big play offense. That's what happens when you got physically beat up. You don't want to get in the trenches. So I look for them to come out with fire in their eyes this week. And the Jets, if they could pull a win off this week after the big game last week, then the Jets are for real. They have to show me that. That was just too big of a game beating New England, even though New England's not as good so, so as So you're everybody. thinking about a letdown spot. Absolutely. I'm going to go with Tennessee. We're getting uh, one and a half, two points lines floating around. I look for them to win the game outright, obviously, and let's see if we can make it five in a row, guys. So one of the things I really like about what we do here is – we don't just nod to what the other one says. And if something doesn't make sense, we talk about it. And that's good because nothing is obvious. Because no. if it was obvious, the lines maker wouldn't put the number out they did. We're looking for those small edges and any place where there's not disagreement amongst the experts, you know they're lying. I mean, just blatantly, they're not telling the truth because you've got or they're dumb. They're either, <laughs> they're either the dumb or they're the lying. Two. And here we, we really make everyone stand up for what they're saying. I personally don't like this game at all. And this is Marco's extreme approach, which is he's taking – he's going against the best team in football so far at home who's almost a pick-em game. 
So this is the ultimate contrarian play, no doubt about it. No free pick for me. I'm 2-0, two, and oh, two free picks, games of the year. Back. I'm going to wait. Until total of the year comes Maybe out. next week. We'll see. All right, great show this week, guys. Remember, we're here each and every week. You can watch all of our videos at pregame.tv, or if you want to listen, go to iTunes and search for pregame.com. See you next week.